drop off the kids or put them to bed, turn on Childish with real-life friends and podcasting virtuosos Greg Fitzsimmons and Allison Rosen. Laugh about the struggles and joys of parenthood. Grow closer to your children. Learn something useful or not. Maybe feel less alone. And maybe even put the spark back into your love life. Childish is for people who are parents or had parents if you had no parents, maybe check out WTF with Mark Marin. Subscribe to Childish. New episodes coming soon wherever you listen to podcasts. Childish, oh shit. Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Childish, oh shit. How can I parent when I'm still a kid? Childish, oh shit. Who the hell decided I was ready? Hey everyone, hi, hello, it is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm sitting here with Jake Weissman and Matt Ingebretson. Nailed it. Oh. You got it. Oh, phew. <laughs> it is so stressful for so many podcast hosts to pronounce his last name. I was, as I was about to say it. I felt scared for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was thinking, oh, I should have checked that before mm. we started. But no, I'm that good. You're- anyway, uh, Jake Weissman and Matt Ingebretson from... Um, Comedy Central's Corporate, which is returning for the second season on January 15th after Drunk History. And we're going to get into all that. But I have to say, I put out a call for questions from listeners on Twitter. And I don't know if you saw someone... wrote in with a question about why can't they access the archives of Nikki Glazer's Not Safe with Nikki Glazer <laughs> show. That. And I think that they thought you guys are from like Comedy Central Corporate. <laughs> <laughs> and we get that a lot and we'll take care of that for you. We'll get on the phone with Comedy Central ASAP. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jake, I've had on the show before. Yeah, we had a good time. We did. And in fact, I believe that I was like, you're going to be my husband and my new friend. Yeah, we, we talked about that, but neither of us we ever followed up. We didn't follow up. But you but had a busy a year both of us have been very busy yeah but you guys were gonna get married after the last podcast no not married be- he was gonna be our friend was- we're oh, gonna become real life okay, we're okay, gonna okay. take this yeah. out of the podcasting realm uh, into real life friendship mm-hmm. realm um but then it turned out that that didn't happen well, but the offer lost. still stands yeah i mean i don't think i think either both of us were probably too shy to follow up yeah it's like that thing about adult friendship it's like do you really want to start a new thing now <laughs> it's right. like it's tough it's like i think i've made all the friends i'm ever gonna make though yeah. i hope i meet some new people i'm pretty bored it's also los angeles where i have many friendships where we just promise we'll meet up and then years pass and we haven't seen each other right yeah i feel like real friendships are people you see once every few years and uh you have dinner and catch up and a lot is unsaid but you really trust them and if you ever need money they'll venmo you one of my (laughs) (laughs) one of my best friends who i've been friends with since high school but we have the kind of friendship where we can go like months or Actually, there was times where we went years without talking to each other. And then as soon as we, you know, meet up again, it's like no time has passed. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he's getting married in a few months. And I am concerned that I'm not going to be able to go because I will have just had a baby. Oh. Uh, Am I an asshole? 
Because I feel like he'll understand. He's the kind of friend. Yeah. The thing, he's the kind of friend where like, he he's so relaxed. Like I think that's why we can be, we've been friends for so long. At the same time, like he officiated at my husband and my wedding. Like I feel like I really need to go. Sure. Does he listen to your podcast? Sometimes. Okay. So he'll, he'll be hearing this. <laughs> Possibly. Um, I think that weddings, I don't think there should be pressure on people to come to weddings. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's really shitty to do to people because first of all, a lot of people get divorced. So like this <laughs> might not be your only wedding. So uh-huh. relax. I'll come to the next one. Yeah. But secondly, it's like, it's supposed to be fun in a party. And I feel like weddings become this thing where it's just stress for everyone involved. The bride and groom have a terrible time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The parents make it about themselves and all the guests are like, oh God, what do I get from their registry? I'll get a pan like it doesn't it's like it's so not about love and fun and just a good party so if he's chill he knows you'll make it up to him at some point yeah and he's having a pretty unconventional relaxed wedding that's not gonna have a lot of pomp and circumstance and stuff so it doesn't Mm. need me yeah just be just be like just send him a cool present or something send him a really nice pan yeah Yeah. (laughs) i do feel like such a or not asshole but just crazy every time i buy something from a registry it's like i guess i'm getting you an expensive spatula as a gift it's like what are we doing it always feels sort of unspecial yeah yeah and yet i think it is appreciated of course yeah so um matt and jake Mm -hmm. are you guys real life friends Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're extremely close. And we were roommates for four years. You were? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this. Tell me about how you met. We met doing stand-up comedy in Los Angeles at open mics, just like getting the shit beaten out of us emotionally every night of the week. And uh, I think we started, I remember in the basement of the Hollywood Hotel, once having a long conversation with Jake about love and relationships and realizing I connected with this person. Because <laughs> we don't have a positive view of that? No. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, we just, you know, when you do comedy, it is absolutely a war pit. Like, it's just sort of, you go to this, it doesn't matter how funny you are, when you're starting out, you go to these open mics or whatever, where anyone can come in, literally, and a lot of times you're paying to yell at one person <laughs> at a, in a loud bar, and so if you do find someone with a similar sensibility who isn't just insane or schizophrenic or yeah. drunk as shit, you, uh, you definitely bond with them, and it's like your friend in, in the trenches, and so we just became friends, and then a good housing situation popped up for me because my sister was renting out this, my younger sister and her husband are way more successful than me and they're doing really well. Uh, He, he went to Harvard business school and has now worked for a lot of different great companies. He's just, they both did really good job picking each other. They're more attractive. They're more attractive. Younger, yeah. they're like good young parents. They have parents. a beautiful daughter. Yeah. They have like a healthy sort of a Jake should palette. honestly be ashamed of himself. Yeah. I wish I'd had them as parents, yeah. but I don't. Um, and, uh, so they were renting out this place that they owned. And so I, I, I needed a roommate in order to be able to afford it. So I knew Matt and we became roommates. He became the co-father to my cats. And we just honestly <laughs> got along unbelievably well. It's we, it's kind of weird. It's one of those things like a good relationship is theoretically so good that you kind of don't want to jinx it. So you don't talk about it. It's like we don't fight. We just like each other. It works. <laughs> and that was kind of our roommate situation. It just kind of worked. I think we're both hyper considerate people towards each other. So we like didn't step on each other's toes yeah we did hear each other come through the walls <laughs> yeah the, the, the walls were thin <laughs> so we both know what each other sounds like what um, is each of your cum style 
<laughs> I like to eject it out of my penis. Um, oh, so the traditional way. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. it's, Matt is and just I, I, sort I of very traditional. I go through my fingers like Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm just, I, f- I feel like it's just a painful thing I'm getting through where Matt feels very, it's short and fast for Matt. And uh, it seems like he has a good time. It's short, but for me, it feels like an eternity. It's like doing DMT. It's like it only lasts 10 minutes, but it felt like you were there for 10 years. Uh, uh, yeah, but it was a good situation. And um, Matt came to really like cats, even though he doesn't want to admit it, because he has this weird idea that men are supposed to like dogs only. No, 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 no. Uh, and Don't so, gender my love of dogs. How dare you? And uh, yeah, he's, it really softened him. Uh, my cats really softened him. And it was just a great experience. Like, yeah, we don't live together anymore because the the my sister and her husband sold the house but it was a really good experience and we actually are friends and we don't we just get along it's weird it's like we, we also really start, don't fight. when we started making the show we then spent almost 24 hours a day, a day together yeah. for a while and and while that also worked we didn't want to push the limits of that yeah mm-hmm. it's like you gotta know um it's kind of like my dream of a relationship in the future if i'm married and i don't know how you feel about this but is to have a house that has a bridge <laughs> that's connected to another house where my partner would live. And mm-hmm. so it's just psychologically, maybe we sleep together every night, but just knowing I don't have to, and I have my own place where I can be as weird as I want to be, would be ideal. But I love that what, because there's all sorts of ways that two houses could connect, but yeah. I love that it's a bridge. <laughs> I want it to be a bridge. And there's a moat around yeah, the house. I want, moat, right? I want yeah. there to be a moat. I want there to be a bridge over a river that has fierce sharks in it. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, I don't know why. And you live in the fun. prison of your own house. I live in the, the prison the of my dungeon. own house, yeah. and then uh, my partner would live there, and uh, we, if we really want to see each other, we might we, we have to go other? we have to cross sharks you have to yeah. get on a horse and go across <laughs> their castles yeah. so that'd yeah. be nice for matt eventually <laughs> i feel like that so my husband and i lived in this very big apartment mm-hmm. um, I remember it. yes you were there it was like very very spacious and long and big great. um and now we are in a house which is square well it's like it's smaller but not just in terms of square feet, in terms of it's got an open kitchen um, onto the living room and it kind of like concentrates everyone into one area. Uh-huh. And I wondered what that would be like. And I actually find that I don't miss the space of the old place. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, so that's my statement on your bridge idea. But I still un- completely psychologically understand the desire to have that. A, a barber once told me, a barber who gave me a, a bad haircut, but a great piece of advice, once told me that if you move into your, with your partner, everyone needs a door to slam. That's yes. how big your place needs to be. Yeah. Which says maybe a lot about what his relationship was like, that they're slamming doors constantly. He's just cutting hair and slamming doors. You know yeah. what I love about your house, Allison? It's like the American dream. It is. I was l- admiring your backyard. There was someone it's not mowing even... the lawn or like out front. There's a yeah. front yard. There's a backyard. We just got grass. It's um, beautiful. It, used to, it was a dirt pit for the longest time. <laughs> it's, so I would, nice. it's not even extravagant. It's just lovely. No, but it's like Thank the American you. dream. It's like, yeah, you grow up, you have like... Uh, a partner and two kids and you live in a house in Burbank and it's like perfect. We might even get a white picket fence one day. I would love it. Yeah. Should, yeah, that's, it's so cool. It feels great. It actually makes me want this. Thank this you. This would be really nice to have. Thank you. Maybe Jake and I will buy this house for me. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. Who knows? Um, okay, so Jake, you... Oh, don't tell me. You grew... I know you went to college in the South. You I went, went to, to college Vanderbilt. in Nashville. Yeah, but I grew but up in you, New York. That's right. Mm-hmm. Matt, where are you from? 
I grew up mostly in Texas. Okay. South of Houston, I went to college in Austin. Got. Did you go to UT University? Austin? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, how did the idea for corporate come about? Um, I got a degree. I got two degrees, not to brag. Um, one in business and one in English. And when I moved out here and just had to make a living while I did comedy at night, I got a bunch of day jobs in marketing and social media and copy editing many of them at nightmare huge companies Mm -hmm. where i was just devastated every day about what my life was (laughs) um and it kind of just came out of uh imagining a uh a show based in a truly soulless corporate setting and which is where you felt like you were where is where i was and where i feel like even if people aren't working at awful corporations like i was many people who have jobs are like this is hell what is my life why Mm -hmm. am i here and we wanted to make a show that sort of reflected that and jake do you have experience in those corporation types of corporations i'm i haven't i mostly have not worked in like specifically corporate jobs like that but for us like the idea of a corporation was more the vessel for what we wanted to talk about which is if you're if you're not your own boss life is pretty much hell (laughs) like it it really is like like you have a job where you you're kind of your own industry and that's great it's still a job though and you still got to do terrible stuff and if you're not and if (laughs) allison has to do terrible really like i mean i'm sitting here with you guys right now it's just it's just sort of like i feel like what i constantly hear from people like when people talk to each other most americans that i've encountered the way they converse is in complaints Mm -hmm. it's like what hurts what did your boss do that sucked what did your kid do that pissed you off how do you feel about your body not good you know what i mean like most of life (laughs) if you are listening is that's what especially growing up jewish it's like literally it's just what hurts and uh (laughs) i feel like that's kind of the sensibility i wanted to bring to a tv show that felt more honest you know we didn't want to make an escapist show i mean it is a surreal show in a lot of ways but really most people go to work come home complain about their job and then drink (laughs) to fall asleep (laughs) and that is funny i mean it's funny because it's true it's just funny that that's what we do as americans is we go to work we don't really like it but we have to have a job to pay for our place and then we get older we want more things and we want more money to pay for those things and then we're like 45 and we're like oh crap right that was my life and anyway that has to be funny otherwise there's nothing that's funny yeah so it's pretty much we combined sort of our worldview with sort of the corporate setting that matt had been in and just wanted to make a show about that because the show also just wants to talk about our philosophy and just sort of life in general Mm -hmm. and corporate is kind of the hook to get you in Mm -hmm. now matt your character is a little bit more naive Mm -hmm. are uh let me are you asking if i'm naive well that yes that's where that question was headed that's not really my question my question is more like how do you and jake differ as yeah. If not your characters, but who you actually are in your worldview. Like, how does that differ? It's like, I'd say it's vaguely reflected in the show. Like, just not as... We've, we've taken it to much more extreme measures in the show. Because we, we like to think of, like, the characters as being able to, like, pose two sides of an argument about the same topic to each other. Um, but I think that J- we're both pretty nihilistic, but Jake is very nihilistic, I would say. Yeah, I just think I'm, I'm five years older than Matt, so I feel like <laughs> I've, more. I've definitely yeah. seen more, and what I've seen is not good. And uh, <laughs> but like in a funny way, where it's just like I'm in more pain. Like I've had spinal surgery. Like my parents are super divorced, um, and mm-hmm. you know, just like a lot of I've gone through way more breakups. Like it's just sort of, uh, I, and I think Matt 
grew up in a, his parents are so lovely and they're from Iowa and they're together and they've been together since they were like 20 mm-hmm. and he just he's really tall and he's a handsome guy and he's really smart and nothing that bad has ever happened to him and so I feel <laughs> his, like also his teeth are like crazy he's just straight a, he's just great he just got like the genetic jackpot I mean he still is he's smart enough to realize that life isn't like all peaches and cream but it's sort of like i think that's our relationship is him being to me like hey jake relax like it's pretty good and i'm like okay maybe this is but something else isn't you know and so (laughs) and so i think that we just wanted to play that up i think having an optimist and a pessimist is interesting because i also think you know pessimists are often sort of telling the truth whereas optimists even if they're being positive kind of are a little full of shit and kind of uh, sort of just full-fledged optimism can kind of get you into trouble sometimes. Mm-hmm. You like if you trust people too much, you can get screwed over. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're pessimistic, you never let anyone love you. So that's the problem there. But I do, <laughs> I do think that like both things have their positives and negatives, and we try to balance that. My husband and I sort of recently have have just in terms of all the decisions we've had to make for the house and the people we've had to hire and all this stuff this has come up i feel like he's a little bit too trusting and i think he feels like i'm a little bit too Mm -hmm. cynical or paranoid um and because he's like i don't want to go through life having to be suspicious of everyone and i'm like yeah but but if you aren't then i mean it's just it's it's funny so i kind of need both i think because otherwise, like, if you're cynical about it in every moment and every day, it's like, that's hell. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm thankful that I just love cats. Like, because to <laughs> me, that's where my warmth is, is I love kittens you and are, I love yeah. cats. And you're cynical about everything except cats. Yeah, it's like, that's where I find goodness in the world, is <laughs> mm-hmm. like these little furry, overgrown mice. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I feel like that's good for me. Otherwise, it would just be a dark pit of despair. Do you have a favorite kind of cat? Oh, that's really interesting. Well, I think it's pretty obvious that Maine Coons are incredible. Like, there's just so much what hair. What kind is that? Just really, like, beautiful, sort of, like, full, the like, gray long ones? hair. Not necessarily gray, just long, sweeping hair. Like, Google there's it. just so much going on. They're just, they're so regal to me. Um, Ab- I used to have some Abyssinians, which mm. were Ag- Egyptian cats that... Egyptians used to look at cats as gods and when you look at Abyssinians you're like oh I get it like they're amber color and they're just so beautiful and just stunning to look at I have two little like dirty sort of runt black cats and to me they're the greatest cats alive I kind of can grow to love any cat like any cat I'm like they're the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life (laughs) I'm not a hater I feel that way about dogs but I do love Jake's cats now pebbles and shiksa yeah (laughs) pebbles is a there's a huge difference between their personalities and their twin sisters or their sisters they're twins yeah twins yeah Yeah. they uh pebbles is the sweetest dopiest does that mean they're litter mates yeah so you all litter mates are i guess in a way they are well they are black females with a little white spot on the chest so they are like twin girls Mm -hmm. even they're not they look pretty similar fraternal or identical fraternal Fraternal. there's slight there's slight differences yeah um pebbles is a sweet dope who has no boundaries as a cat and will just continue to come at you no matter how much you are done petting her (laughs) she is not done and once more uh shiksa is mentally ill yeah 
Like what? <laughs> like how? Is scared of everything. Okay. Is, has, is treated unreal well and is still scared. Like I'm her probably best friend in the world is terrified of me. Mm-hmm. Just runs away all the time, but needs love, but doesn't ask for it. She's just dumb. It took me years to make my way into her heart. And it <laughs> felt, but it felt really good once I was there. I actually have a video on my Instagram of Jake. Because sh- Pebbles sits on your lap at any moment. Shiksa will almost never sit on your lap, except like twice in your whole life. It, they're like, it's like seeing an eclipse. Yeah, it's like a beautiful experience. And one time I caught it on video and you can watch it on my Instagram. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so you said when you guys first bonded, Ma- uh, Matt, you were telling Jake your view of love and relationships. Mm-hmm. What was that? And is it the same today? Just that I don't believe in any of uh, any of the traditional ideas of it or or like oh, like th- where you get to have a house with a bridge <laughs> that's that's what i believe i believe in a house and a bridge <laughs> version of love no i think i was just um i think when i was in my early 20s in los angeles i was very conflicted about like wanting to go out and do what i thought i was supposed to do which Mm. is like sleep around a lot and get into a bunch of different types of relationships but i found myself fearful of that or not quite sure how to approach that in a real way and so i don't know we we talked about that i don't know what my view of love and relationships i think you've become i think you're probably naturally a monogamist yeah like i mean you're like Uh you fall more along that line it's like good for you in a steady way i think we actually I, I think I'm a little wilder where it's like, I don't, I think I'm a little more scared of love in general. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like my dad got divorced three times. My mom essentially got divorced yeah. twice. So it's sort of like, I'm just nervous, but really what I want is love. Like I really do want a long-term commitment. Cause to me, it's like, what am I going to do? Just sleep with everyone? Like, what's the point of that? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's clearly not going to end well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, even though I'm nihilistic and I feel like people are animals and should fuck each other in the end, you just want some friend you can hang out with and sometimes touch each other. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, I just want someone to watch the same TV show as me and be like, it sucks. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's really all love is. And that's the best you can get, but that is pretty good in the end. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What is your view on love? Um, well, I mean, I'm married and I'm about to have my second kid, so mm-hmm. I guess it's fairly traditional. Yeah. Um, I know that after my husband and I got married, before we had a kid, I was thinking, why did I feel the need to have the traditional wedding and to like do this in this That's way? A good because question, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. because we also could have just we could just live together and be committed to each other. And like, we don't, I don't know both in a way, like we sort of went through the motions, but it wasn't like we had pressure from our family or Mm -hmm. anything. I don't, it's weird because, you know, we got married later. Um, and it just felt like the thing to do. Sure. And yet afterwards when I was kind of like, what the hell was that? Those like all the months of wedding planning and just like a wedding is just such a stressful thing thing yeah it can it was for us yeah. like i feel i wish we had eloped or if not just like been domestic partners like i didn't need yeah. that i mean now with a with a kid i sort of feel like i probably it's i don't know i think it you do like- it you do it for the photos to have 40, 40 years from now <laughs> yeah. i think yeah because i think marriages feel psychotic to me or like a traditional marriage uh-huh. however and i've truly been like so outspokenly pessimistic about them for a long time in my life however as i continue to go to friends marriages more often than not i'm like this is lovely so yeah. like that is the thing is it's like i'm like this is crazy that people drop 50 grand on a wedding right. or whatever the fuck but when i go i'm like but it's nice and everyone's happy here except for the 
the groom and bride might yeah, not that's be, right. but, <laughs> but everyone else yeah. is. Yeah. But in terms of my actual view on love, I, I think I'm a romantic yeah. at heart. Mm-hmm. So I do, I don't think there's only one soulmate for each person, yeah. but I do think, you know, I think there's probably a lot of people you could ultimately be happy with, but I think that yeah. when you find one of them, good for you. Let mm-hmm. me ask you this, because you are about to have two young kids. Mm-hmm. Are you going to raise them, like, how are you going to raise them in terms of teaching them about love or sort of romantic love in the sense of like, my feeling was that a lot of my depression in life, and this isn't necessarily true, is based in like false expectations that Mm -hmm. were set from movies and sort of like, oh, I live in the suburbs and people are seemingly really happy and they have kids and that's what life is. But then they all got divorced and you know, all that. It's like, I just wish I had known from a young age. No, like love, even if you find it is really hard, it's a lot of work. It's like mm-hmm. constant work. And sometimes there are bad years. <laughs> and so I, are you going to, do you think you'll sort of, like, do you want to tell them the truth? Well, or can you teach that? Yeah, or do you feel like? Well, yeah. Do you ever think about that? That's a really good question. I haven't specifically thought about that. I have thought about, well, so I have a son and I'm having another boy. And when I found out I was having a boy, I was anxious about like, I don't know how to raise a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, in my mind, when I imagined having a child, it was always like, and I'll, you know, help her when she gets her period and when she gets married and like all these girly things, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I know, like how, how, what am I supposed to do when he hits puberty? Like, I know nothing about that. Le- um, leave him alone. That's, that's <laughs> yes, the answer. Knock, knock before entering, Look the right? other direction. Don't ask why everything's wet. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so in terms of any sort of advice I can offer him when he begins them, when they begin to date and stuff, like, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I mean, on some level, I feel like you inevitably, what you tell them is less important than what, what he's witnessing. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. I don't know. It's confusing. Cause I feel like, I feel like a large part of life, if you have a sort of a brain that wants to question things is like being kind of upset with what you were taught and, and then be like, no, fuck this. And the older you get, you're like, Oh, I get it though. I get why everything was taught that way. You know what I mean? Like, it's just really, well, you think about like imagining yourself, like when my parents had my oldest sister when they were 21 and it's like, they didn't know anything. So like any mistakes they made in my mind are forgivable because they were like young and dumb. Like if I had a kid when I was 21, I wouldn't know what, what the fuck I was doing. That's such a healthy view though, because yeah. my, my mom, my parents, there's a big age gap with my parents and my mom was very young, not very young. She was 24, but that still seems very young to me yeah. when she had me, but I haven't given her that grace of like, she was young. I'm sure. still like, well, why be- did you guys do this? <laughs> well, cause you're living in the bot. You're living in the fucked up, mind that they created yes. for you <laughs> yeah uh-huh. i guess have you been to therapy mm-hmm. yeah and um it's good <laughs> <laughs> i feel like as comedian or like most of my comedian friends this isn't a substitute for therapy necessarily but like are brutally open with each other mm-hmm. so like i found therapy very helpful when i've gone to it for different periods um but i also find like uh, I have different friends who I'm able to not treat like a therapist, but get at least some semblance of like being brutally open about who I am and my feelings and getting feedback on that. Mm-hmm. That being said, most comedians are 
crazy people, so I shouldn't be taking their advice. And, uh, and you know what? I'm going to go to back to therapy right now. <laughs> um, okay. Let's talk about season two of Corporate, and then we have a couple segments to get into. Um, but what uh, what would you like to tell us about what we can expect from season two? Well, I think if you happen to see season one, I think you will think this season's even better i think we you know obviously you get a season of tv under your belt and finally you're like oh now i know what i'm doing after i just attempted to do it for a year so i think that it's crazier it's funnier it's wilder it's um, more playful it's, it's like just funnier, as dark yeah. and but it's like i think we had a little more fun this season yeah we had we have guest stars like kira sedgwick elizabeth perkins andy richter kristen, kristen shawl um sashir zamata so i feel like we got some really good guest stars um not just for the sake of getting guest stars because they we wrote good roles for them that they like came and killed it at and uh yeah it's just a really i think it's a pretty unique show and i don't think there's really another comedy like it and if you do sort of not like your job or have ever questioned what job you're doing i think you'll really relate to it no matter what job you have i think, I think that's the majority of yeah people so i, I think, think it's yeah. just like playful existentialism it's mm-hmm. like kind of giving you permission to laugh at what we're all going through right now and i think we also kind of got into we had kind of bigger discussions before writing this season about like what we were feeling about the world and everything. And largely it feels like the world is ending or that's like <laughs> kind of what the news is seems to be telling us or the feeling in the air. And, and we wanted to, we wrote some stuff in this season about what it's like to go from reading an article in the New York times about how there's no coming back from global warming mm-hmm. at this point <laughs> yeah. and then go feeling hungry and going and buying yourself a muffin, just yeah. sort of like right. the confusion of what it is to be alive in this moment of time. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. have a, we have some episodes about sort of gender discrimination in the workplace. It is funny though. It's not in it, yeah. it and, and things like that and stuff about the corporation takes over uh, a news company in order to alter the news to give them higher profit so there's stuff that's like sort of about what's going on right now but it isn't just a reaction to trump it's just a reaction to what's going on in the world so there's social satire and there's workplace satire it's it's all sorts of satire but it is funny and silly and relatable and i i think people will really like it what kinds of things did you learn about how to make a tv show Oh, that's a really great question. Um, you kind of learn... So, basically, this year we were showrunners as well. So, one of the things that you really have to learn if you're running a show, and I think this is an obvious thing that can't be overstated enough. Yeah, I'm realizing I, that we didn't tell the listeners that you guys are... well. I think it was intimated by the fact that I was asking about creating the show, but you guys are EPs and stars of the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we write, um, produce, direct, and essentially edit it. So it's like, it's our baby. If you don't like it, you don't like us. And yeah. that's totally cool. <laughs> um, one thing that's really important that is kind of an obvious thing, where you kind of see it in politics too, where it's like, a job a, a, a job or a business is a top-down operation so every thing you say and do really affects hundreds of people so we ran the show this year we were the boss essentially um, and so if you treat people well and you get are you like really consider their feelings then they'll work harder for you and they'll be happier now it's very hard to consider everyone's feelings and sometimes like you just you just have to be really rigorous it is exhausting to be a boss but if you do a good job at that it really can affect a lot of people's lives um in a positive way like one funny thing that i thought about is like there's so many bad movies um really really bad movies and 
if you've never worked in production, you don't understand how hard it is. It is such a hard job. It's so rigorous. And if your movie or TV show is bad, you know, people are getting divorced because of your show. Like they're, they're working 14, 15 hour days. They're not seeing their kids and they're getting divorced. So you better make something good. <laughs> so I learned like you really should make something good because if people are going to grow up without parents, <laughs> it better be because the TV show is funny. You know what I mean? Um, so I think I just learned like how much it matters, how you treat people people and sort of like how hard you have to work to be a good boss you have to be pretty present every second because it really matters Mm -hmm. i got pretty hooked on uh matcha shooting season two (laughs) (laughs) you guys ever had matcha i've heard of it it's it's like what's the caffeine content versus coffee I think way higher. Okay. It's like dense green tea crack powder that like <laughs> really does something for me. So if you if you're making a TV show, I recommend matcha. Jake, do you like his matcha personality? I love it. <laughs> it's matcha better than his normal one. Yeah. Uh, the boring thing about a TV show, or like the main thing we had to relearn over and over again, is that it's such a long process. It takes like over a year. It took us over a year to make a season. And you have to constantly reiterate over and over, especially when you make the first season of something and it doesn't exist yet, what it is you're doing. So, because like... Reiterate to other people or to yourself? Both. Both. Because like by the time you, from writing to shooting to editing it, hundreds of people get involved and you have to, everyone has to understand exactly what you're going for because inadvertently or intentionally they could pull it away, whether it's the network giving bad notes or which Comedy Central doesn't do much of, but or uh, or the production designer not getting a joke and making the wrong thing. It's literally just us saying the same thing over and over again to hundreds of people for a year. Yeah, it <laughs> takes so many hundreds of people operating at the top of their craft to make something that's even decent. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think anyone understands that. If you're when people shit on movies or TV shows, and I totally get it, I do it too. But I do it less now simply because it's like the amount of manpower that it takes just. To get one shot is insane. I think the other thing you really learn is like how talented everyone is like makeup people hair people you don't understand that they're artists like you don't they're doing all of this work so you kind of don't even think about it Mm -hmm. and uh there are so many talented people have so many it's kind of like when you're making a tv show or movie it's kind of like we're all carnies and it's like we're all coming together with these very specific skills to make this thing that people might watch on their phones but it is kind of beautiful (laughs) that's what's fun about making a tv show is you get to interact with a bunch of other extremely creative interesting people who Who are different stories yeah they all came to it from really different places and it's kind of an amazing thing and it's also just really hard. It's yeah. always going to be really... If you want it to be good, anything you do in life that you want to be good takes an incessant amount of hard, good work. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we learn. Um, did you encounter any trouble with... Given like all the cooks in the kitchen that, that happens with the TV show... Um, staying true to your original vision of it or and the reason i ask is my my experience with like being behind and in front of the scenes on tv a little bit um is just that i tend to defer to people that i think know better than me and then at the end i'm like oh fuck why did i do that i wish i had i mean it was like yeah not that i do that a lot but i had one experience doing that and at the end i'm like oh i wish i had been more um strident about what i wanted i think we luckily jake and i and pat bishop the other co-creator and who directs every episode of it um 
thankfully hold all of the cards creatively in the show and for whatever reason from the get-go just were ballsy enough to be like we're gonna try to do exactly what we want Mm -hmm. to do and be bold with it and not let that happen and so i think had any one of us tried to make a tv show that exact thing would have happened but i think the three of us sort of challenge each other to stay on course and not let that happen yeah the thing you learn and this is maybe an obvious thing but everyone in the entertainment industry has no idea what they're doing like like <laughs> yeah. i mean truly like look at how many shows get canceled after six episodes like yeah. even the 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 richest people in the industry they're all guessing and so they're operating out of fear and you'll learn that very quickly and so if you have a strong point of view which i think we do have they're excited but they're very scared and they want to mute it because they're not sure if they want to see something that severe and so you have to really really fight to be like no this is what i want and i i think that if you can show your work and just trust you have to you have to trust yourself because if when you die you're gonna wish you you died doing what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that you have to kind of think that way sometimes and everyone's like, you got to dumb this down. You got to get a younger, hotter person to play this role instead of the person you want. You know, that kind of stuff. You always be like, no, I think I'm right. We're lucky that Comedy Central gave us sort of the arena to do what we wanted to do. And then in that, we were pretty bullish about making the show that we wanted to make. We just didn't, I think going into it, we were like, if we don't make the exact show we want to make, we're going to feel like shit at the end of this. And See, that's so good that you realized that. I yeah. think I'm fairly nihilistic, as Matt said. And so I'm and you're always older. like, yeah, uh-huh. I'm older. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm a young boy. <laughs> well, I'm just sort of like, <laughs> you're I want to do, we, we spent all the years at open mics. You know, we, we, we had dumb little jobs. It's like, I only want to do this if I'm doing what I want to do. Fame is a nightmare, mm-hmm. but having creative control is a dream. And so all I want is creative control. I don't really want fame at all. I just want enough money to pay my rent and make what I want to make and i think if you're there and neither of us is married and neither of us has kids so we still can kind of go for it we're very Mm -hmm. lucky and um yeah and there's three of us also pat bishop is a genius and Mm -hmm. so the guy we work with he's really really smart and i think you know once he made that apparent on the pilot comedy central is pretty apt to trust him Mm -hmm. so they kind of can't really say anything because he's so good and they know that Mm -hmm. can i ask how old are you guys i'm 31 i'm 35 okay um well we're done here (laughs) but i feel like i'm 80 and i feel like i'm 14 emotionally and physically (laughs) um okay let's take some questions uh from listeners when we ask we send them in they're wondering how you have been so thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans Okay, here's one that I don't understand. Howie Levine says, does either Jake or Matt enjoy eating pumpkin pie in between the hours of 11.30 and 1.30 a.m.? I also don't understand that. I thought maybe that was a reference to something that you guys... If it is, then I, I saw that, don't it. get it. I think pumpkin pie is obviously one of the best pies. I think there's no question. That and pecan pie. I don't know if it's one of the best, but I do love pumpkin pie. What's better than pumpkin pie? Um, don't say apple because it's not. I will say apple well, pie. Well, you're absolutely wrong and you're disqualified. So I would say pumpkin pie. <laughs> Banana cream pie. Well, I can't have cream anymore because I'm recently lactose intolerant. And you're being intolerant of my intolerance and you knew that. <laughs> um, yeah, banana cream is amazing when mm-hmm. I used to be able to have it. I just think pumpkin pie is incredible and it's like such a weird pie. Like it's like pumpkin. Why would I think to make that into a pie? It really works. Do I eat it between those hours? No, I'm trying to lose weight. <laughs> 
all right if we're delving into pumpkin pie i've got i've got a it's not really a hot take but i've got some thoughts let's do it i always loved pumpkin pie i thought it was one of my favorite pies and then uh and i always looked forward to it around the holidays and i have to say for like the last many year i don't want to say five years or so i've been disappointed every time and i'm oh. like did the pie change or did i change do you think like and I, i'm truly asking out of naivete like did being pregnant like <laughs> like change that because that can change can what change. you're into yes it can yeah but this is before i was pregnant oh. that i noticed this now i might be influenced by daniel my husband who feels that pumpkin is far inferior to pecan pie he's brainwashing you yeah it, he might be mm-hmm. um so I, go ahead i feel like pumpkin pie is um traditionally is made not as good as it could be made my family went through a similar thing where some of my i have three sisters and a couple of them became very anti-pumpkin pie mm. in the last I would few like years to talk to them i'll get katie and molly on the phone right now <laughs> um but then one of my sisters took took the initiative to look into better ways to make pumpkin pies with better crusts and more high quality ingredients and like prettier pumpkins and uh (laughs) and um it really changed it well that's what i was gonna say so because i'm a scientist at heart i'm Mm -hmm. like is this because because they were store-bought pies that i didn't think were that good so i made one a couple years ago and then i made two this year and they definitely were better so Mm -hmm. i think it was more like what I expected it to taste like, but I still wasn't like over the moon about the it. The texture is strange. A, it's to me, it should mushy. be like almost custardy. Yes. As opposed to like squashy. It, yeah. Isn't that one of the weirder parts about getting older though, when your taste buds change? Yes. Like it's happened to me recently where I used to be so anti-hot sauce or anything spicy. Like I couldn't That's handle me. it. I'm anti And now, that. but now in the last year, if I don't pour sriracha on everything, if it's not doused in sriracha, <laughs> I can't eat it. Like I, like I think my taste buds are just dying and now I want to be on fire when I'm eating something. So I, maybe you're having something like where that with Where are you pie? with vanilla and chocolate ice? Well, you can't do cream anymore. I can't anymore. do cream anymore because you're jewish but um <laughs> i know it's such a nightmare but in general i prefer vanilla flavor and i feel like everyone mm. who prefers chocolate it's because their taste buds just aren't as sharp i used to be obviously like more into chocolate too. but now i'm more into vanilla okay yeah i think that's the adult thing is vanilla is to just be vanilla and to eat vanilla and to accept it yeah yeah mm-hmm. um we have a little drop we play when we talk about snacks Snapchats. there we go okay <laughs> um okay rhombus would like to know do you actively try to have underexposed comedians on your show um yeah underexposed is an interesting word i i think the way that i'd put it is that we had the privilege um of working uh on open mics or shows with so many talented people over the years we're lucky in that of our group of people that came up in la we're some of the first people to get a tv show so and obviously uh, many other people will um so we had we're lucky that we have seen how talented these people are we've maybe made sketches with them sometimes or seen them on screen uh like on youtube or just worked with them at shows and know how funny they are and for us i think one thing we're trying to do is not regurgitate what other comedies are doing. So I feel like once you get in the comedy world, it's the same people playing the same parts over and over again. And I think things are much richer when you haven't seen a person. So you don't project like this fame onto mm. the character. It's like when you see the character, you're like, oh, I've never seen that person before. They must be the character. And so 
we're trying to give our friends a shot because it makes them money and it gives them a chance to be on TV and maybe leads to other work, but also it's truly helpful for how we want things to be, which is it's our own universe with people you've never seen before and no pre-associations. So yes. Uh, Brandon Wellington would like to know what's something legal wouldn't let them air that they wish they had gotten to do. Oh, that's interesting. I was trying um, to think of that. I remember um, uh, in the first season, we had uh, a storyline about how Matt's character makes a PowerPoint um, that <laughs> eventually is selling weapons to the CIA <laughs> to start an illegal war. And it was to the CIA. And so we had the CIA, like insignia and the like the, the acronym CIA all over the place. And we shot the whole thing. And then at some point they were like, you can't, it's illegal to, to showcase the CIA, uh, those letters anywhere. And we couldn't edit around it. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's a mm-hmm. whole thing. We couldn't edit around it. And we were like, we literally don't, we cannot undo, we can't go back and shoot it. We have to do this. And then the president stepped in and was like, we have the president show where we openly mock the president every day. Just let it go. And yeah. so we let, they let it go and it was totally fine. The CAA never saw our show. <laughs> A much more stupid conversation we had to have with them was in an episode in season one, I tell the story of how I lost my virginity. And um, it ends with me saying that I... Or I w- that I like climaxed, but for whatever reason, we just thought it was funny to say that I camed, I C A M E D, and that ended up being a big discussion with legal because you're not allowed to say come or we the, like before a certain hour, it, the word come is censored, but then it was like, but is camed okay? Right. And but was I, it ultimately? I think it was. Yeah, right? yeah. it's so stupid. It's yeah. like no one. And again, nobody knows what they're doing and everyone is acting out of fear. Yeah, it's yeah. just right. a lawyer's job for a network is to be the most fearful human being alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, sloth, Sloth, Sleuth says, which comedies did you watch growing up and which do you watch now? Can you trace any directly to corporate parentheses makes me think of Green Wing? I don't know what Green Wing is. Yeah. I, I think both of us were huge Seinfeld fans. I mean, just being a Jew in New York. Like, and that is a super nihilistic show. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> informed a lot of who I am, where it's like, oh yeah, they're all unhappy and adults and nothing matters, and it all circles back to them just eating at a diner, which is uh-huh. essentially what I do with my free time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Seinfeld, for sure, that was like just so huge. Like I remember remember it was on Thursday nights and then Fridays at school doing the bits and like talking about the jokes. That was such a cultural phenomenon. I, I, that was so enormous, and if you didn't grow up and you weren't like in your early teens when that happened i don't think that even happens anymore like that level seinfeld was seen by everyone all the time and you were home to see it there was no dvr so that one was pretty big i watched a lot of curb your enthusiasm and arrested development and yeah i'm trying to think of shows i don't know if any i love 30 rock too Maybe that might be the show that most closely resembles corporate in that it's like about a business and a corporate structure. I think my favorite comedy in the last five to 10 years, the one that I just think is just perfect is Nathan for you. Mm -hmm. It's just so unrelentingly insane and funny. And it just showcases how desperate we are to make money in a capitalist nightmare, which I think our show is kind of about. Um, And it's also just so funny and so insane and outrageous. It just tackles so many things like how willing people are 
are to be famous under any circumstances and uh it's just absolutely insane but in general i think we all like to watch dramas more um i don't really yeah, like couple. to watch a lot of comedy because i know how the soup is made is that the term soup is made i think sausage sauce well i know how the soup is made yeah. <laughs> um and a, a couple uh, movies that influence corporate were network and um american psycho yeah just like really like brutal dramas which are actually both are funny, funny yeah yeah mm-hmm. so i think in general i try not to watch a lot of comedy because i kind of don't want to be i'd rather be inspired by dramas and make a drama that's funny and i think that that's more what i like to watch and i think once you once you do anything like if you work in porn you don't want to come home and like have sex like it's just like yeah sex whatever it's like kind of like that we deal in jokes all day long so when i come home i'm pretty serious like i'm not like i'm like yeah i i get that i'm funny i don't care like here's mm-hmm. what's wrong um so i i think in general uh, all the comedies were as kids and now it's just like i like watching succession on hbo oh i love which is show. such a brutal show but it's so funny because it's mm-hmm. so brutal but in general yeah i just want dramas i just want to know what's fucked up mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you watch Succession, Matt? I loved Succession. Yeah. I thought it was great. Tony, guest producer, did you watch Succession? I this is the first time even hearing. I don't even know what it is. What? Yeah. It's on HBO. It's so good. It's so good. It it's took me brutal. a few episodes to get into it. But once you get into yeah. it, it is like sriracha, where you're just like, <laughs> oh my god, make me feel on fire. Yeah. It's so brutal, so funny, and I don't almost don't want anything else. Did mm. you guys watch Homecoming? No, no, I haven't. I, haven't seen I it. liked it. Daniel did not like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm super into Dirty John on Bravo. It's kind of so. I listened to the podcast, I or did... I read the articles. Actually, okay. yeah. Oh, oh, well, you're old school. I didn't even know there was a podcast. Like, yeah. I honestly just read the articles and was gripped. What um, a monster! One show that I would recommend at least watching the pilot of. It's probably too crazy for most people because it is truly one of the most psychotic tv shows i've ever seen is called sally forever on hbo oh it's this british show that is wild and it and really fucked up and crazy and uh if you're into that type of stuff i would check out the pilot at least and lastly joe randazzo wants to know have they ever kissed we did kiss once when did we kiss for a video for corporate oh yeah we had to make a video for the heads of viacom (laughs) like it was the comedy central presentation to viacom so we had to uh, make a video and we uh just the bit was that we kissed and so the the kiss is memorialized somewhere i don't know if we can get our it'll probably it'll never see the light of the day though because it was like a internal viacom video that we made but we did it and it was fine it was good yeah so in i i've seen one episode of season two Mm -hmm. um which i was able to see in advance and without giving away too much a lot of you guys all kiss the same dude (laughs) yeah who actually was was an actor on seinfeld uh brian george from seinfeld Mm -hmm. it was great the guy was such he's a great actor and he's a really good sport i mean the fact that he said yes to he's like i'll do this role where i have to kiss five people (laughs) and then get buried in a graveyard um uh I guess that's a spoiler, but that's okay. Um, yeah. He was great. He also was a little sick. Oh, so no. he was a really he like, us earlier like, in the I'm day. sick, by the way, and five of you have to kiss me. <laughs> but again, it's like that we were at that location that one day. So it's right. like, all right, we're all yeah, going to kiss do this. It. it was man. fun. It yeah. was kind of, I guess that is like, yeah, one of the bodies only, are bodies, lips are lips. Yeah, it was it's hilarious. Fucking, we yeah. all had to do it. We were there to do a job. We wrote it. We had to do it. That is the thing you learn about making a show is you write this show in a sterile room, you know. And you're like, what makes me laugh right now? And then six <laughs> months later you're like, No, you gotta do that shit. You gotta yeah. kiss this sixty year old guy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. All right. So now there's a new segment that I am uh am like workshopping. Cool. 
and I don't have a jingle for it yet. Um, but this is the second time I've done it. It's called How Dare You? And it's where I ask like very personal questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to answer. You can say, How dare you? Mm-hmm. Uh, but on a scale of one to 10, like how comfortable would you say you. This is not part of. I mean, this is just. This is not one of the questions. This, this is, is a pre question. It's a pre question. How comfortable would, would you say you are? like answering personal questions. So one would be not comfortable and 10 would be like, you're an open book. I th- 9.5. Yeah. I think I'm pretty comfortable. Although I guess we'll find out we'll find right out. now. I mean, yeah. but okay. you, we're pretty open people. What if I answer none of the questions? <laughs> Jake. Hello. Tell me about someone you hate. Oh, okay. Jake. I have so many people. I'm just trying to even like, I'm trying to think like, who do I hate the most? Oh my God. It's like, I literally, there's like so many people that I don't even know where to start. Matt, do you hate anyone? I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think of like, you want to think about it while I ask, can you do that? Can you do that? Okay. Well, so actually I have different categories. There's sex, money, relationships, and then sort of miscellaneous. Any of those uh, pique your interest? Yes. I have an answer. Okay. Will you ask me again? Yes. Tell me about someone you hate. Myself. Oh, boy. (laughs) And I think that that's... Because the thing is, I think I have a lot of hatred spread outward. um, But I also... One of the frustrating things about adulthood is that you through your experience and you see how flawed everyone is and every adult is just a child that's grown up in like a grown-up body you realize that you you kind of have to have empathy for everyone because everyone's just a fuck up and they don't know what they're doing and so i hate a lot of people but really when i think about it it's like i think i hate myself and i think i hate the things i see in other people that reflect my own shit so like there are certain um you know like there's a comedian i'm not going to name the person but got a brush with fame and then was a drug addled sociopath for like several years and had but you'll tell me off mic i absolutely will um i just don't want to slander the person just it's not nice to this person who i don't really like but is trying their best to maybe they aren't but was a drug addled sociopath i had helped this person a lot like emotionally they got almost famous for a second and then pretended they didn't know me oh wow Uh, like Like actually several times like like, actively in public actively in public wouldn't like talk to me like unfollowed me on all social media uh wouldn't give me the time of day then did a ton of drugs and um like tried to apologize but clearly was still doing drugs and was such an asshole for so long and now is no longer that famous why do you think that he or she pretended they didn't know you just I think fame, they were on a lot of drugs. Yeah, they feel yeah. like I, I wasn't famous at all. I didn't have a TV show. Felt no need to acknowledge me as a person. Like, literally was a typical Hollywood person. Like, okay, well, I'm famous now. I don't have to talk to anyone I used to know. Um, and I hate that person. However, I understand now, although I don't think they're a great person, I understand that they were on a lot of drugs and dealt with the insanity of being temporarily famous and clearly just weren't a person. There's just so many stories of like, was people. it Jesse camp from NTV? Um, yes. Fuck Jesse camp. <laughs> Although is he alive? I feel like there was a rumor. Oh, he died for a second. So, I think I he's, alive. he's alive. Um, but yeah, so I think there are certain comedians where the way they act once they get famous, where it's like, I knew them when they were shit and they start acting like their shit don't stink. It's like, 
you're still an idiot. Like, you're not that great. You're just, like, the flavor of the week. So, I have pity for them, but I'm still mad. Okay. And I'll tell you after. I can't wait. Matt, you know who this person is? Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, sex, money, relationships, miscellaneous. Does is, does one of those feel about like... about miscellaneous? Okay. What's the worst thing you've ever done? Mm. Um, or the thing you feel the most guilt about okay i'll share i'll share something that i i'm almost afraid to share because i feel so guilty about it, even though it might seem in i wonder if it'll just seem innocent and like because it happened when i was in fourth grade <laughs> um uh but i it still haunts me to this day uh oh, this, i know this one. yeah this girl in my class i found out this girl named Lori. actually i hope she's listening because i want to apologize I, ha- I can't track her down in fourth grade she had a cr- i found out she had a crush on me and i felt afraid i f- didn't know how to handle that and just mm-hmm. felt scared <clears throat> and so for like weeks i just didn't i avoided eye contact with her in class and just didn't know how to behave and uh, i used to ride my bike to school and she lived like a few streets away from me and one day we were riding our bikes home or i was riding my bike and she was like probably 100 feet behind me and as i turned off into my street i like looked back and she like waved at me (laughs) and i don't know why it's probably the first time i ever used this word i called her a bitch I just, and I don't know why I did that. And I felt immediately so bad about that. And I never, and she moved away the next year or something like Uh, that. And were you just like, bitch? Like, did you, were there other words that you just called her? I said, I just shouted the word bitch. (laughs) And I, I truly, it, I even retelling the story, I'm almost yeah, sweating right now. I can now. see. I can see. Yeah. yeah. So, Lori, if you're listening, I don't remember your last name, but I am so sorry I did that. And if it hurts you in any way, I'll, I'll give you money. I, I, <laughs> I, I, send me your Venmo and, I, I, and your handle and I'll give you money right now. Anyway, that's, I don't know if that's the worst thing I ever did, but that, th- that's that what came to it mind. It is so yeah. painful to think about when you were younger and yes. you said, and you didn't understand empathy and didn't really know what you were doing. You're just a little monster who isn't full yet. And you did bad things to people that clearly hurt them. And there's, you're like, obviously it's painful for them, but it's also so painful for you to be like, oh, I hurt someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the first time you understand that you can hurt people is terrifying and horrifying. I feel like some people never even get there. I know. I do think though that in general, it's, this is weird, but I've been thinking about this a lot. It's probably a good thing to have hurt someone and then understand that you've hurt someone so you never do it again. Mm-hmm. Like, I think most people should do that. Don't go out and do you, it. You if, just will. You'll, you just will and be like, oh, yeah, live with that knowledge that you can hurt people. So you, it's like a correction. It's like a, it's like a constant correction. Like, I don't want to do that again because I don't want to feel bad. Right. Mm. Right. Um, well, normally I would move on, but now I have to ask each of you have you ever cheated on someone no no because i've been cheated on a bunch and i know how painful that is it's like it's just not worth it like Mm -hmm. the guilt that i would feel if i cheated on someone it's like just jerk off like just literally go just go jerk off and don't go and have sex with that person because the pain that you cause in that other person is just a lifetime full of like not trusting people it's just not worth it i guess i just feel lucky that i haven't done it or that i have whatever like self-control needed to not do it Mm -hmm. because i know a a lot of people do or have made that mistake so it's hard to like categorically be like fuck everyone who's ever done that because it seems like a mistake a lot of people make so i mostly just feel lucky that i haven't just don't just 
No. Just yeah. don't you'll you'll you're going to feel really you one of two things is going to happen if you cheat on someone. You're going to feel unbelievably guilty forever. Or you're not going to feel guilty and you're a sociopath. So you don't <laughs> want to find that out either way. Yeah. And so it's like just trust me just break up with the person or tell someone you're thinking about doing it because it's really not worth the pain that you cause to them and yourself. It's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. And like if you're young and horny just go have sex with a million people and then realize, oh, it's not that great. Like, but go do that. Like, you're an animal. Go mm-hmm. come a million times. Wake up next to a person you don't really like and realize it's not that great. Then find <laughs> someone and just hang out with them. Mm-hmm. That's my advice. How did you find out you were being cheated on? Um, several times um, I've been cheated on and it's been a nightmare. Um, the first time is I. I unintentionally saw my girlfriend's email. Like I wasn't looking at it. I didn't think, and this is a, she'd been hanging out with this guy and I was like, what's up with this guy? She's like, you can never ask me about this guy. He's just a friend. And then I accidentally saw her email where they were like sending love notes to each other. And I remember how, like I started shaking. I was so upset. Another time a mutual friend told me because he didn't like that. The woman I was dating was like kind of, mistreating me so he was like we were we were equally good friends between um but he was like it's not fair like she's lying and then wrapping you around her finger and all that stuff um and another time i was told by the person it's just a nightmare it's such a betrayal because it's like cheating is weird because it's like we're animals we want to have sex with other people like okay then just do it but don't lie i don't know it's so complicated i have dreams where i cheat and then, like, in the dream, I feel, like, this horror. Yeah. It's scary. Like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. what did I do? Yeah. I just did something irreparable. It's also weird, too, because, like, if you cheat on someone and then you wait a long time to tell them, that's also shitty. Because yeah. then it's like, you're the, you have to live with that. You know what I mean? You can't then tell someone later because then you're f- screwing them over. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you cheat, if you just do it once, realize you made a mistake, just never tell the other person and move on with it. Like, because they're just not going to be happy knowing. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? <sighs> I mean... God, I think there was a time there was a time that I agreed with that where I felt like the urge to tell the other person is to assuage your own guilt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like if something like that happened in my marriage and the other one and we didn't tell the other one, then it's like this secret that sits yeah. in between us that would like begin to sort of fester cuz like if there's if I'm upset about something and I'm not telling my husband he can sense it and but vice versa. Like we're just very open. So I feel like it might cause the marriage to unravel it, in re- other ways. Whether yeah. we whether we told or not, mm-hmm. it would like ultimately kind of have this I think that the only way he, but this is my marriage. I think the only way he and I could heal would from that, if it's even possible to heal from that, depending on like what the the offense is, would be to talk about it. Um but I don't know. I like to me it's like that's like something it's really hard to come back from yeah it's weird because it's like what is the offense like if they slept with another person once like what is what are we upset what are we it's the betrayal yeah it's because we're taught because you because you essentially have an unwritten contract that you won't do that it's just a weird thing i think it's tough when you're a guy because you're taught all this weird stuff like like by your parents a lot of times and also um by the media that like it's a weird thing that you're taught like possession over mm-hmm. a woman's body and like i feel like i was ingrained that in you that have pretty, to like unlearn 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you have to unlearn. And it's also an instinct. You know right. what I mean? And so it's sort of like, I have to remember that, like, I don't own this person who loves me and what? I love. Like, I, I, and, and I, I think you have to, like, be like, if they wanted to sleep with someone, they that's okay but then it's like wait but i'm not sleeping with anyone it's so confusing it's so it's feral weird and weird because i think that the the idea is i am committing to you we're married and now i will never find someone else attractive and yet like that's not but that's true. a lie that's right like, that's yeah. what i'm saying that's mm-hmm. what, like the myth that's what the myth is right. but i don't but like do i think that my husband doesn't f- find anyone else attractive no like i know that he's a human being and i'm a human being and stuff but i don't know um it's also weird because like i think it's i think what it is for like i've tried to distill down what i how i feel about it because i'm like on in a lot of ways intellectually i am like it shouldn't matter at all like Mm -hmm. it's like go eat a meal or whatever like (laughs) (laughs) um but i i think it's like the further you get into a relationship you are trying to you're afraid of losing that person and ultimately it's tough to compete or it can be tempting if you like start sleeping with someone else to fall into the trappings of lust and like it's tough for like a 10-year relationship to compete with the new love because it's so powerful that's like i'm not a particularly jealous or possessive person however for a long time now, I have felt like if I'm going to lose my husband, it's going to be to someone at work who's like, oh my God, that spreadsheet is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> because like, I don't say that shit anymore, right. you know, because mm-hmm. it's, but that's to your point about like, it's hard for yeah. a 10 year relationship to compete with that, like the blush of new love. I think for me, like, because I was cheated on so much, um, I started and I at first reacted so poor, like I was so upset. I was devastated. It destroyed me. I tried to like look at sex as not associated with love because mm-hmm. i was so afraid of how vulnerable i was when i allowed that in so i like almost wanted an open relationship because it was like it's not our, our relationship's not about sex it's about love um but in the end i don't think i am that kind of animal i think in the end i am fairly monogamous like like what i want is is pretty much monogamy and just i wish i were different i mm-hmm. wish i could have sex with a bunch of people and, and and my partner could as well and i wouldn't give a shit about it but I, because i'm but that's only because i'm afraid of being cheated on again right you know but i think in the end i'm really probably just a monogamous person even mm-hmm. if i want to fuck other people i know i'm glad that i've had a bunch of sex to know that it really doesn't lead to much besides like um uh, uh, 15 seconds of joy <laughs> you know what I mean? it's like okay but then i have to deal with a person i don't really like and it's like not really worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's confusing. Tony, you're recently married. Mm-hmm. Anything to contribute? No, I mean, I feel like I, I kind of agree pretty much with what Jake said. I, I have very similar thoughts. Like, yeah, you know, you think about someone else. Some, maybe not. that sounds wrong, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. And uh, But yeah, it's that same thing of like... Uh, yeah, it maybe sounds fun, but the reality of it is probably not great. Right, like the logistics of an open relationship, I think, would be yeah, like, challenging. Again, like intellectually, I'm like, yes, I mm-hmm. feel like <laughs> that is what I want. But when I run in through it in my mind, I'm like, I don't, mostly I just don't feel like it. Like, I think I don't <laughs> want my girlfriend to sleep with other people because I'm not allowed to. So then it's like, okay, if we're both allowed to, then fine. But then like... Maybe I'm just lazy. Maybe I'll grow. Who knows? But I'm like, I just don't feel like 
having those conversations, honestly. Mm-hmm. But maybe yeah, that's immature. Yeah, you have immature. to talk so much when you're in an open relationship. You yeah. have to constantly talk about what you're doing and right. why you're doing it and reaffirming your feelings. And, and by the way, like, I'm open to being completely... Maybe I'm naive and dumb about this, but I'm, I'm totally open to that. But that's how I feel right now, at least. Yeah. I was, you know, Pete Holmes. Mm-hmm. I was listening to Pete Holmes and his wife on this podcast that I can't remember the name of. Um, I don't... I don't know if they were married at that point or just going out. I think they were already married. Um, But it was a podcast about relationships. And Pete was saying that I think that they sort of like on paper have an open relationship, but they don't act on it. Mm -hmm. Um, But they both believe in an open relationship. And then Pete was saying that his therapist said to him, okay, but true love is so rare like what are you doing to protect it and it made Mm. him think about it differently Mm -hmm. that like i think that's the thing with like yeah we can all say that intellectually an open relationship makes sense i just worry that it introduces like a lot of weak it could introduce a lot of weakness into your union yeah which theoretically might be good because it might fortify it but yeah, yeah i think in the end i think like you know, we're ra- we live in a pretty traditional society here, and we probably mostly are just those kind of animals now. And I, 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 yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's like I know I, people who are in open relationships that seem to work, though. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's confusing. I, I mean, the thing is, no one knows what the fuck they're doing, and they're always trying. I, I think for me, the the main worry if I were to open up a relationship would be like, what if you do it, and then it's like, oh fuck, right? Kind of what you're saying, and it's like you kind of can never get back from that image of <laughs> them sleeping with someone, right? So yeah, it's confusing. Or what if you sleep with someone, and then you realize like you want to do it again yeah and maybe like that's good but it's just sort of like i think you know life is it's very weird being alive i don't believe in life after death personally so i'm sort of like okay it's like nothing is sacred so everything is sacred mm-hmm. so i think you're you're alive it's life is bedlam <laughs> it's like constant craziness so you attempt to make sacred things to sort of make your life feel like something. So it's like you have a relationship to be like, okay, well, I have that. This is my bedrock and I can work from that. And there's a lot of things I want to do with my life. I wish I could do all the heroin, all the cocaine, (laughs) all the stuff, but I can't because I want to have a productive life. It's like, okay, so I want to sleep with everyone, but I can't because that would be so messy and time consuming Mm -hmm. and weird and feelings are involved. You know, people are people. They're complicated. They're not just objects. So I think you just sort of have to make concessions when you get older and be like, okay, this is the thing I have. I'm pretty lucky to have it. If I have love at all, I don't really want to fuck with it because it's so hard to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys, it was so nice having you on the show. <laughs> yeah, Thanks for great. having us. Thank you so much. Everyone should check out Corporate on January 15th. It airs after Drunk History. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a book out, Tropical Attire and Courage and Other Phrases That Scare Me. Go to alisonrosen.com. There's info on that. And we have t-shirts and ringtones and whatnot. Um, I also have another podcast with Greg Fitzsimmons. It is a parenting-ish podcast. But it, but listen, even if you don't have kids. Because uh, it's not exclusively parenting. You can get that at childishpod.com. Um, Jake, tell people where they can find you and plug anything you'd like to plug. Um, you can find me at Weissman Jake on Twitter and you can follow, um, another Instagram account I have called honest couple. It's delightful. And I think you'll like it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt Ingebretson. Just start spelling Ingebretson however you think. And I think <laughs> it'll really, show up. If you really want to find it, you'll find I N G E B R E T S O N. And, uh, I'm having a lot of fun on Instagram. Post, yeah. Excellent. Tony? 
Uh, yeah, Twitter and Instagram at Tony Thaxton. Uh, TonyThaxton.com. I have a lot of uh, different music shows coming up in various forms. So Excellent. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. A um, quick way to get there is iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. And leave us a review, won't you? Five stars is my favorite number. If six were available, that would be my favorite number. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. This was so great. Fun. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best friend.